Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. My guest is Kazaya Lewis. Kazaya, please introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, everyone. My name is Kazaya. And I am a software engineer, and I'm also the founder of a newsletter called Juniors in Tech, which is just a newsletter for uh, juniors in tech or people trying to enter the industry. Okay. Well, that doesn't say much about, because I didn't even know about that. So we're going to get into why I even know you, because that (laughs) is not why I know you. But uh, we start the show as we always do. Why is it important to cause a scene, and how are you causing a scene? It's important to cause a scene because on behalf of other people who aren't able to cause a scene. Um, I'm a really big advocate of people with privilege and power speaking up on behalf of people who don't have a lot of privilege and power, who can't speak up for fear of losing their jobs or losing their network or, you know, things like that. Um, So, you know, something, I'm on Twitter a lot, obviously. Um, And, you know, something I see Um, A lot is when, you know, these things happen when there's, um, you know, some sort of uh, scandal or, you know, when people are talking about racism and sexism and all these problems in tech. And I see a lot of people being silent about things and just like not saying anything at all about, um, you know, the serious problems in tech we have going on. And I understand that from the perspective of someone who like may not have a lot of privilege or, um, you know, might be affected if they might be affected if they spoke up about something. But it's really frustrating to see people who have lots of privilege, lots of power, who like really don't say anything at all. So um, I think it's important to cause scene um, in order to speak up on behalf of other people or at least lend your privilege, not, not necessarily on behalf of other people, but at least lend your privilege to other people so that we can all... Um, you know, help each other make this industry, make the world um, a better place. Um, And how am I causing a scene? Um, I like to think that I, you know, try to do that for people when I can, Um, you know, whether that's through, for example, you uh, have seen my threads about boot camps. Um, You know, that's one example in which there are a lot of people at these boot camps who are just like really afraid of speaking up about how they're getting treated, um, how minority students at these boot camps are getting treated. And a lot of them are just scared that if they say something, um, you know, they'll get kicked out or they'll never get hired once they finish the boot camp. Um, You know, I'm a person who like already has a job in tech, already has my own network. You know, it doesn't cost me anything to speak out um, on behalf of these people who DM me anonymously. So um, that's one way that I'm causing a scene. Okay, so I really want to go back to your first thing because one another reason, that, <clears throat> we're going to talk about the boot camp thing because that's when I initially ran, figure out who you were, mm-hmm. saw you, you were coming up because I've been talking about boot camps since I got into this space and how bad the curriculum mm-hmm. is and how bad the, um, the engagement is and how bad the support is and all this. That was before all the ISA stuff even come, came that I started mm-hmm. seeing. So I 
you just popped up in there. But I want to start with, oh, I want to start with, because this is a double-edged sword. So I totally agree with you. This is not a, 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 a disagreement. I totally agree with you that there are, should be more people with privilege in this space speaking up. Where I, they continue to fuck up, though, is they center themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> in these conversations. And I think you were a part of one of the conversations <clears throat> we've had recently where some white woman wants to say how great her experience is and everybody in the else needs to right. be quiet. Um, and, and, um, and then there's when people say, hey, 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 hold, hold up. Uh, and then there's a whole big thing of people coming to people's aid who, um, and it happens time mm-hmm. and time again. We have these people, first of all, I have a problem with, if you are in tech, if you have a large following, nine times out of 10, it is because you know a technology. Right. It is because you know use you know um, um, Elixir, you know Angular, you know JavaScript, you know Kubernetes, you know a mm-hmm. technology. Unless, unless you have intersect at a marginalized community, you rarely know anything about social justice mm-hmm. issues, That's period. True. And so when you start speaking on those things from your place of ignorance, you cause mm-hmm. harm. Absolutely. And that is... And this is when they get their asses handed to them. This is when they want to run off Twitter and say, oh, I just can't deal with this anymore. I'm just going to close my account right. for a few days. And then they come back as if nothing ever happened because they have the privilege mm-hmm. to do so. Definitely. So I would advise, I totally agree with you. They need to be out here on the front lines because what do they have to lose? And this is why my video, White Men in Tech mm-hmm. Ain't Shit, got taken down because they are so triggered by this. Oh, I didn't even know it got taken um, down. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. It, it got taken down off, um, off um, Periscope. Thankfully, I had already um, downloaded it and put it okay, elsewhere. Yeah. But yeah, it's no longer wow. on Periscope because people, I, and it was, it, it was an interesting litmus test because I talked about white women. I've talked about everybody. But when I specifically said white men and tech ain't shit, that was the trigger. That was the one that people just couldn't right. do. Right, wow. And it got reported. So, so that was tell that that right there is it was 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 proof that there is a there's a line that I cannot cross or they won't that that, that well, I'm going to cross it anyway but that they they would like me not to cross and those are the individuals that need to be speaking up but they need to be speaking up from a place of 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 being informed and I would prefer them to amplify the people who have the lived experience exactly. yeah definitely. Yeah. 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 I definitely and, agree with that. Um, we, we see it a lot, like not just in tech, but just everywhere. It seems like if you have <laughs> privilege and you speak up about some social justice issue, then, you know, then all the attention goes to you. And it's like, oh, here's this wonderful white person who's like, you know, like. Oh, we're seeing it with Greta right now. We're right. seeing it yeah, with Greta exactly. right now. There have been, there have been hundreds of indigenous and, and people from marginalized communities talking about um, um, climate change, talking about it in their communities, living in, 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 in Amazon, living in Flint, Michigan, living in, living with these things. And it takes, and so now she's the, now she's become the, the, the face of this. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because she's, 
become the face of this movement, but she's going to be devoured by the movement. Because she, so she's going to be, she's going to be the, uh, not even the canary in the minefield. They're going to, she's going to be discounted and devoured. And the best thing she, because even when she says, even when she's on the stage with indigenous people or black people or people saying this, who've been saying it forever, they get ignored. She gets, she gets credit for their work. Right. Yeah. And it's not like she can't do the work because climate change affects all of us. But, you know, we all know that it's people in the global South, people of color, people who are very poor, who are going to be affected the most by these issues. Who are being affected exactly. the most. Where have, where have these nuclear plants right. been? Where are, what communities have these things been in to history? They're not in right. the suburbs. <laughs> right. Cancer clusters and, you know, all that yes. stuff. So, yeah, we see that with, the, with yeah. a lot of things. Like, there was a conversation recently. Um, I just saw it on Twitter by with some people I follow who were talking about, like, accessibility and how, you know, Lots of more developers are learning about accessibility these days, which is really great. But, you know, why are many of the accessibility experts presumably abled people? Um, You know, that sort of Mm, thing. So, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. we all know that there are like some really popular um, anti-racist speakers who go around, they speak and they write books about anti-racism, but they're white. And, you know, I'm glad they're doing that work, but like, you know, a Black anti-racist speaker couldn't get that much attention, probably would have more trouble publishing a book, et cetera. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely an issue and we should definitely, you know, if you're, if you have some sort of privilege in a specific area and you want to speak out about an issue, you know, make sure you lend your privilege and your time and amplify the voices of those who are actually being affected. Because we see it all the time. We could be on um, having a conversation on Twitter, say something, say it again, say mm-hmm. it three times. A white person comes in and says it, and the person's like, "Oh, thank mm-hmm. you for that." <laughs> it's like, what, yeah. what, what? He just he just said my experience. This is not even experience that they've just right. had. This is I just share with you my experience, and mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. It's it's quite a phenomenon. So yes, I need these individuals to speak out. Yes, but I need them also not. But I'm going to put a period on there. What I need them to do, though, is recognize that this work is not where they're Mm -hmm. experts in and they need to get uncomfortable. They need to just be prepared to be uncomfortable and to be because when we challenge them, not only do do they learn, but the broader community that watches it learns. And this is only the way this stuff Mm -hmm. scales. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So tell me about the boot camp thing. Yeah, because that is where. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. That is where it has been. It's been really sad to mm-hmm. see because I've had, I'm sure I haven't had as many um, individuals come into my DMs because I haven't, outside of the podcast, I haven't tweeted about it a lot, but you've done a lot of research. You've been really digging into this. Um, and, and tell me how that started. Yeah, so um, I have a friend who was in, uh, in Landa school and I was just chatting with her casually one day and I was like, hey, how's Lambda School going? Um, and then she t- started telling me like, oh, it's not going well. Um, you know, the curriculum is terrible. I'm not having a good time. I feel like quitting every day. Like um, other students feel like quitting every day and that sort of thing. And I just had no idea. Um, I was just always under the impression 
probably just because of Lambda School's marketing that, you know, it was a good school um, that had a really great curriculum and very passionate instructors um, and all that. So, you know, I even like would post links to like Lambda School scholarship programs in my newsletter. Like I genuinely thought that all these boot camps were just wonderful institutions up until like July. Like I gen I genuinely thought that because I went to a boot camp uh, in New York City, Full Stack Academy, um, and I had a really good experience there. And I think it's top notch boot camp, and I would recommend it to lots of people. So I thought, oh, every boot camp must be like this because my experience was good. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. Okay, so I'm going to stop you right there because now you just spoke about your privilege. Right. That and see, this is and this is. I don't want to stop you there. And I want to keep going because I would like to highlight those things because people have relative mm-hmm. privilege. It's not just about people with white pe- white people having privilege or whiteness having privilege. We all have privilege in certain in certain mm-hmm. environments. So the fact that you had a great experience, it didn't even dawn mm-hmm. on you that somebody else would be having a shitty experience from a, from a different place or whatever. Absolutely, that that's a really good point. Um, and you know one of the things about having privilege is like it completely isolates you from everyone else who experiences different things. Like it just didn't even occur to me. Like, obviously I knew that there must be some boot camp out there that, you know, isn't great. Like, cause there are hundreds of them. They can't all be good. But I just thought like, Oh, mm-hmm. my boot camp was good. You know, I see boot camps popping up everywhere. I see lots of, you know, people going to boot camps. Like, it generally must be like a really good industry. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. had no, I, I like it didn't even occur to me that there were these serious systemic problems. And it's so funny because when I first got into the space and started looking at boot camps as an educator, I was mortified at the very mm-hmm. beginning. Oh my God, I had a completely different experience. My mentee at the time, I was thinking about going to a boot camp, and then um, he was like, Well, they're not guaranteeing your job, don't mm-hmm. waste the money. And then I just started looking into it and looking at people around me and from coming from a, 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 a edu- again, an educator's bootcamp, I mean, um, background, I understand how adult learning works. I was like, this, how is this scaling? How, uh, how does this make sense? Um, how do you, if I'm paying, and that, at the time it was 15000 and now these people have got lost their damn minds about mm-hmm. how much this shit costs. Uh, $15,000, there is no child left right. behind. I mean, there is... If I can't figure this shit out, I need the, all the support in the world to help me figure mm-hmm. this shit out. Um, and that was that right there was not even there. And then the one size fits all curriculum is a problem. And then I started realizing that there were people who work in the industry who are now creating curriculums who don't understand how people mm-hmm. learn. So you're creating curriculum based on how mm-hmm. you learn. And then I started figuring out the people from the cohort before who couldn't get a job were now teaching. And it was like, oh, well, so. It's so fun. That is so Mm. interesting. And again, it's this is about we have to value the lived Mm. experience. This is about why we have to prioritize qualitative data over quantitative Mm. data. They both have value, but I'm gonna always weigh qualitative, yeah, qualitative data over quantitative. Mm -hmm. Quantitative. But go ahead. That's yeah. That's very interesting because I've never had a great. I've I've just seen them. Yeah, I just never. the one that I do, I appreciate, it's because the, the teachers who were there came from backgrounds where they were either um, had been teaching coding in, you know, as a consultancy, as a, in a part of a business. So they were used to teaching right. adults. 
oh, or something like that. So it wasn't like they were fresh off, you know, just fig- figuring this thing out themselves. And they put in way more work with students because they knew what students right. needed because of that experience. Yeah. yeah, it seems like a lot of these boot camps, they aren't really centering student needs and they aren't really prioritizing like the... Oh, well, no, no, they're not even... Right. Edu- when you have an educational institution and your first... These are ISA model, right. business models, the business model. It's not education because if you have a school that does not even know that you need to register as a school in the state, right. that, you, that doesn't make any yeah, sense to me. Yeah, definitely. That's like <laughs> something you should probably figure out. <laughs> that's like on the first... Li- that's like on the checklist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are a school. What is required to be a school in the right, state? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was, um, talking to this friend and so she started telling me all these things that was happening. And then when she was finished, I was just like, you know, can I tell people about this? Like people need to know, like, I, I was very surprised and I figured that, you know, other people would be surprised about it too. And I just, I just had to tweet something out. So I just asked her, like, can I tweet all this and like, keep your identity anonymous? And she was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, so that's how that that first thread started. And then as I was tweeting out the things she told me in the thread, um, other Lambda School students started DMing me with their stories and I decided to keep them all anonymous as well. Um, and so the thread just continued for a few days. Um, and um, yeah, so it, it was really interesting to see, um, you know, all the different stories, a lot of the students that DM'd me, they ended up telling me a lot of the same things. It was like, you know, the curriculum, um, you know, wasn't up to par. Some students complained of like having to teach themselves an entire section because the instructor was so incompetent, they couldn't learn anything. Um, There were students who told me about, um, you know, working with their TLs. They have this, this team lead program, which is like, current students who are like, I guess, in charge of a, a group of other students in like a TA type role. Um, a lot of students told me that like the TL that you get assigned to can basically make or break your experience at Lambda School. Um, you know, they're, they have like something like 3,000 students. And I think the student to teacher ratio, at least over the summer, it was like something like 200, 250 to one. And, you know, that, that's like, <laughs> okay, hold on, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so they're doing college lecture right. style? <laughs> In like these giant Zoom classes, I guess. And I don't know. It's, oh, so they're not even on, they're not even live. I mean, they're uh, not even. Yeah, this um, is all online. Oh, hell no. <laughs> So this is a big MOOC, but you're Basically, paying for it. Basically, yeah. That's how I described it. These are massive open online courses that cost, how much does Lambda School cost again? I don't remember. Um, I, I think that they get to, yeah, they get, they get to 40 yeah, or grand. They have to pay up to 65. Something I don't, like I, think that. I don't know if it's 65. Yeah, some shit like that. You're right. Yeah, it's like, that's, you know, yeah. MOOC. <laughs> oh, and you can go on like Coursera or something and do that yeah. for free. Well, hell, you can go to Starbucks, get, get a <laughs> yeah. table, meet, invite your yeah, friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and 
it's yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. So um, yeah, that's how that whole thing started. So I did one thread on land with school in July, and then a couple months later, I did another thread on Holburton School, where it was the same thing. Um, oh my god, eighty five thousand dollars. Yeah, for Holburton <laughs> School. Yeah. Oh, and they have no instructors. Right, they have no instructors. <laughs> at least they're like in person, but like it's basically the students get together at their campus and like teach each other as I say as I said Starbucks yeah, exactly. <laughs> like um, book a room at the local right, library <laughs> right meet up at somebody's house in their living room and yes, have a potluck yes. and learn to code like yes yeah yes um yeah that's why I said and this is the the business model is not education here the business model is the mm-hmm. ISA yeah definitely they sell the ISAs to banks and that's mm-hmm. how they make money and if people don't end up getting jobs supposedly they're off the hook for the ISA um I think with some of these schools that how that's how it works but a lot of the students I talked to like after a couple months pass and um you know they know that they have to pay all this money back they continue because um it's like oh I already have to like pay however much money ten thousand twenty thousand dollars like I have to continue this is Something I have to do. Oh yeah, I must say exactly, exactly. They they get to a point where they feel they're they're damned that they do and damned that they don't because if they drop out, they still have right. to pay money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's just really you know a lot of the students who attend these schools, you know, they're obviously from non traditional tech backgrounds. They may not have CS degrees. They probably don't have CS degrees. A lot of them are, um, you know, underrepresented people of color. A lot of them come from lower income backgrounds and um you know it's just really sad to see people who are um you know somewhat like me people of color people from low income backgrounds you know get into this much debt going to a school thinking okay this is my way into the tech industry this is my way out of poverty this is my way to like help take care of my family or you know help care for my my parents or whatever and then they end up being screwed over like this Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. My parents or whatever, and then they end up being screwed over like this. Like, it just made me Mm -hmm. so angry Mm -hmm. to see that this was happening. Like, you know, I went to a a decent boot camp. I got my, the education that I needed. I got my chance. I got into the industry. You know, I want that for everyone else, for every single person who wants to learn to code or learn design or learn data science, learn whatever, that's what I want for them. I want success stories. And then to hear that there are these boot camps who aren't delivering that, it's not like one or two people aren't getting hired. It's like most of them are in this situation where they're being screwed over. And it's just really frustrating. The folks that are getting hired are the exception to the rule. Yeah. And often from what I'm hearing, the ones who do well and the ones who get hired, they have some sort of previous knowledge or experience. I, 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 
And that's my point. I've said this from the day one. The people that I've seen that do well in these programs have a, a, a either a background um, in coding where they've been doing mm-hmm. it themselves or a background in engineering or something. And they go to these schools to focus on a career shift or to or to um, um, step up their skills a little bit because they want to take it to another level. They uh, yes, they're not coming in saying I don't know what a variable is, right? And we and they keep pitching this as if everybody it's but and this is this is where I talk about a lot. They're not enough people who can be successful to scale this. Mm-hmm. Particularly, this is VC money, mm-hmm. so. Um, so what you have to do is now you have to bring in marketing and salespeople to now pitch this to, this is a, a solution for everybody. Right. And then on that is there's so much information asymmetry because you have people who are transitioning into a field that they know absolutely nothing about. So they believe what you say. Right. That's true. Because they have, they have nothing to, to evaluate it against. Your numbers on your website are, are, as we know, data is manipulated. Right. Numbers on your website are manipulated every day. So they have so much information asymmetry that they don't understand what they're getting into. Exactly. I mean, I have a shitload. I mean, when I say a shitload of, of student loans, I have a shitload of student loans. Mm. But you know what I also have? I also have an ability to go to my student loan holder and say, hey, I need a deferment. Mm-hmm. Hey, I need a de- forbearance. Hey, I can't pay this right now. Right. Um, um, can you do income-based, whatever? I recognize unless I substantially get a, 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 a uh, figure out something, I'm going to be paying this shit for the rest of my life. I get that. Mm-hmm. But that was a choice I made, and I got something out of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, college degree, everybody does not need a college degree. I get that. I, I totally understand that. But this, how we're doing now, is not a substitute for a college degree. Mm-hmm. It is not. Right. Especially when it's so expensive. I really, that's such an annoying talking point. They're like, oh, we're replacing college and blah, blah, blah. Okay. But it costs like up to $85,000. Like someone can go to college for that. Thank you. A, Thank a really you. you can go to a state. Exactly. Yeah. A state, a state school, mm-hmm. uh, you know, costs much less than that. Mm-hmm. And they can apply um, for Pell Grants. They can apply, right. they can apply for a whole bunch of free money to go. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's just really Yeah, it's not. And, and the talking point again is, is it doesn't hold water. It really doesn't mm-hmm. hold water because um, there are crap. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, undergraduate is to me is not about getting your first job. To me, it's about for most people, it's about going out there and figuring shit out on your own because you've never been away from your parents right. um, and trying to figure out, you know, what you like, what you don't like. And ha- most people do not are not working in the in the jobs where they have their degrees on. But that doesn't right. mean it's a waste. Um, True. Yeah, um, I agree. And so but this boot camp stuff where you have to leave if you're working, you have to leave your jobs. If you're doing, I mean, there's so much of, of a life upside down thing that they want you to do and you get nothing in return. Mm, yeah who's gonna yeah. pay my bills while I'm doing this thing exactly it's so sad like when I went to my boot camp and then for the time after when I was looking for a job like I, I basically took out a living expenses loan to help mm-hmm. me like live in mm-hmm. New York City for that time um, and then I have people in my DMs who went to Lambda school, Hobart school, etc like they also had to like quit their jobs and they mm-hmm. have families and they mm-hmm. have expenses and then uh, I would be so pissed off if I went to my boot camp and like took out that huge loan and like spent all this money and 
I didn't end up learning anything or didn't end up getting getting a job uh, within a year. Like that would that would just and be then, like. And then I, I love how, again, the data, they're like working in tech. No, that's bullshit. I don't want to see working in tech data. I want to see how many of your students are actually working as developers because that's what the hell they went to school for. If right. They, if they don't play with me with these numbers, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. They're <laughs> really good at manipulating them. Oh, I think they are. Holburton School, I think, says something like a 100% graduation rate, but then they leave out all the people who drop, drop. out. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, if you start at 50 and only five people graduated, that's not a 100% graduation yes, rate. Exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, it's it's so all annoying. quite interesting. Yeah, it's very annoying. And I don't like the fact, again, you know, the hashtag called the scene um, guiding principle. We need to prioritize the most vulnerable and you're mm. pre- you're preying on the most vulnerable. These are predatory loans. I don't see these mm. as any different. Basically, I see this as the um, the, the, the mortgage crisis, that there's, there's going to be an issue here um, mm. because you're saddling people with thousands of dollars of debt who are coming from communities who, without some support, would never, never be able to be able to pay this off. Mm-hmm. If they can't transition into tech, they're never going to be able to pay these off. Right. Exactly. And then, um, and then I, I heard when I had the, the, um, the person from Ho, um, Hoboken on here um, on the one, the podcast, she was saying how somebody who for them, it's not even getting a job in tech. If you make the, if you can cobble together $40,000 in income period, and it could be over mm-hmm. several jobs. That's when it kicks in. Right. So you don't yeah. even have to be in tech. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you know that they really don't care at all about educating these students in order to get a job. They exactly. just care about their ISA money. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the reason why these institutions exist, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's it, because I've said this again. Education does not scale for VC money. That's not how education works. Right. That's, if it did, we would have figured out. Um, well, the reason that um, I, one of the reasons I left educate as um, the school system is because it's broken and it's there's no incentive to fix it because people are profiting off it being broken. Mm. Um, and so you scale that to at least that's free K through 12. You know, students aren't paying for that. Now you have a, you're setting up a system where and I've seen um, where now they're 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 getting they're getting together. Well, they're trying to slap these ISAs on. They're just you figuring out what what uh, I don't want to say what um, lane or what industries they work best in. So they're going, you know, like medical school. I mean, not medical school. Um, what was I thinking? Was, was it nursing school or something? They're trying to something in the medical field. They're trying to slap these ISAs. They're trying to do all these mm-hmm. different going into these all these different industries and see where they can wrap. Um, what they can wrap around these ISAs because what they're doing now is becoming um, organized because they're trying to, they're about to start lobby, lobbying um, the government because mm-hmm. there are no bills about this and they're trying to get ahead of the curve because they know this is some bullshit. This is no different from um, University of Phoenix and all that other mess. Right, exactly. Yeah, and they're trying to frame it as if it's like some sort of new, mm-hmm. innovative, mm-hmm. you know, equitable alternative and mm-hmm. and it's not it's it's predatory and it's getting students into debt and not giving them anything in return mm-hmm. um yeah. and it's and it's and, oh my god and it's kind of like a, a payday loan is shitty yeah um uh, but i don't think you can borrow eighty thousand five thousand dollars at a payday loan you yeah. know it's like <laughs> 
Right. It's like the scale of this is ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. And like, it's so, so with my boot camp, it was, um, it was a tuition deferred. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you have a set amount of tuition. I believe it's like 19,000, whatever. Um, and then you pay it back after you get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, I'm not 100% against models like that. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the good thing about with my boot camp is it wasn't a percentage. It was like a set number. It's not like whatever percent of my income. It's like, no matter how much I make, it's 19,000, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So there's that. And the second thing is, it's like, I got my money's worth. So it's like, you know, um, when I pay my monthly payments, you know, I don't like it because I don't like paying bills, <laughs> but I know <laughs> that I went and I got a good education mm-hmm. and it and was And that's how I feel about it. my student loans. That's how I feel about my student loans. I, every, every part of my education that I have, oh my God, I don't want to pay that. But I really am satisfied. I couldn't be doing the work I am doing now without that background. Mm-hmm. without that um yeah without the the degrees and stuff that I've earned yeah couldn't do it right possible so yeah I get it one thing I want to um is there anything else you want to say about the boot camp thing because I know you like I said you were the one who was just like oh somebody else is talking about this and somebody else is having because I was talking about it from an educator's perspective I didn't have real life people to talk to so it mm-hmm. was that was really interesting to see you like sharing people's lived experiences with this Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to say, like, to anyone listening to this who was considering going to a boot camp, um, like, it's there are a few, maybe like two or three <laughs> good boot camps out there. Like, do your research. Um, don't take those. You might see reviews on like Course Report or Switch Up. Don't look, listen to those reviews at all. Like, read them if you want to, but honestly, like, Every boot camp on there has like 4.5, five stars. Like they can't all be that good. Um, and that's because they're not. And that's because some of those reviews are, I'm not going to say necessarily they're fake, but I know with like, um, with Holbert and School, for example, they did give their students gift cards to leave reviews on those websites. So like, <laughs> you know, like, like don't like listen to, and also there's like an incentive there. So like, I believe um, switch up, or yeah, switch up course report. I believe they get some sort of like referral bonus or something for like, they're basically used to advertise for boot camp. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. can't really trust them for like mm-hmm. their reviews. The best thing to do is find someone who actually went to that boot camp and just DM them and ask them if they're willing to share their experience. Or if I've done a thread on the boot camp you want to go to, like just go on my Twitter and, and read that thread and I'll be doing some more in the future. So like do your research and like, don't waste your money on a boot camp that's not going to educate you, um, you know, and, and get your money's worth. And at the end of the day, a lot of people do end up getting into tech, just like studying on their own. Um, there are plenty of great resources online. Um, you know, even if they're not free resources, there are like courses you can get for like $20 or for like $100 a month, like a, a, a subscription type thing. So like, you know, there are many different ways to get into the industry. Um, you know, just you just got to study hard, find a community who can help you. Um, and, you know, it takes time, but, you know, it's doable without a boot camp. And, wow, community is the number one thing there. 
You have to, um, that's what I'm saying. Get you some people, go to the Starbucks and work it out mm-hmm. um, and challenge you because th- what these, these boot camps are doing at this price is not, not much different. I want to pivot here because I really want to talk about the organization you work for. Okay. <laughs> because it has been, I have heard the first time I ever came in, con- first of all, there are two people there, you and, and Cher. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that are in, you know, just in the network that just popped up out of, again, out of nowhere. But I, my first, my first encounter with this group, this organization was when your CEO was, didn't go on vacation. And, um, he said, well, we're going to spend this, this money. Uh, my family decided to spend this money on oh, giving it yeah. to people in the community. Mm-hmm. And so I get this DM like, oh my God, you have been you have been requested so many times that we're giving you this money. And I'm just like, who the hell are you? But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I was at Wright Speak Co. in San Francisco. And I was like, who the hell are you? But thank you. And that just kind of blew me away. And mm-hmm. then I've heard, and then I, I've seen Cher, Vlad doesn't talk much that I've seen, but I don't follow him either. But um, I've seen Cher talking a lot. And then I was so impressed when you were like, we have this uh, this this job and it's going to a black or brown person. And I was like, hmm, okay, they're doing something different there. Um, and then when I shared it in the Slack group, um, someone said, oh, a, a black woman said, I've heard some bad things about this company. And so mm. when I went to DM share, she's like, yeah, people say we're a cult. <laughs> I was like, please explain this to me. So I need, I want to know more about, because your leadership and I include you in that leadership is doing something that I think can be copied in other companies. And I want to talk about the good and bad and the ugly of that. So go ahead. (laughs) Um, Okay. Where do I start? Well, we're not a cult. (laughs) I'll just put that out there (laughs) just for the record. Um, I think, hmm, I think a lot of, I think, yeah, it is interesting that, you know, there are certain Twitter personalities, I guess, and we all happen to work for the same company and we all kind of, I don't know if we all believe the same things, but it seems like there are certain things that we have in common in terms of things we stand for and things we believe in. Um, and, you know, I, I, can't really speak for Vlad or Cher, but I personally, you know, I feel like it's, um, a lot of people, when they work at places, they just feel like they're like afraid to stand up for certain things. Like, you know, they can't talk about diversity or they can't talk about, um, social justice or they can't talk about this or that. Um, and I've never, really felt that way working at the place that I work. Granted, even if I wasn't allowed, you know, with quotation marks around allowed to talk about the things that I talk about on Twitter while working at this place, I would still do it anyway because I just don't give a fuck. But like, you know, the I it is nice to work somewhere where I can um express my views on certain topics. I'll put it that way. Um yeah. I I don't know. I, I think it's it's interesting that um, I, I'm glad that we do have the leadership that we have. Um, you know, Vlad does 
seem to care. Well, I know not seem to. He does care about um, about certain things, um, about being equitable, about being fair, about being kind. Um, and I'm glad that's something that kind of empowers the rest of us to not be afraid to um, to express those same things um, in our on social media or in our personal lives or just in general. So I think that's pretty cool. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm and for prioritizing the most vulnerable is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1 Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. media or in our personal lives or just in general so I think that's pretty cool yeah it's just this was um it, it's the reason I wanted to talk about it is because like I said there are three people from this small company that are um when I look at a you know how many people work who follow me who work for Microsoft or who follow me who work for um Stack Overflow or whatever you have these larger spaces so that to me aren't moving in the direction that, that is, is they're moving incrementally. They're moving if they're moving at all. Um, and it's so interesting because I had a client, um, I did a consultation, um, recently and he was like, Oh my God, I just realized I can't, I've gotten to a point where I cannot incrementally make these changes. These have to be leaps. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) you cannot, you Mm -hmm. cannot incrementally change, um, harm. This is not just, Oh, we don't like this. This is fundamentally parts of our system and how we work that are, are actively causing harm on a daily basis. You cannot incrementally change that. This is mm-hmm. fundamentally, we have to make a hard shift. Yes, people are going to be, ra- I mean, I, I just, when I said that, I just had this idea of a bus that just makes a hard shift. And you know, everybody in the bus just like slings to the side. That's going to happen. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be painful right. for some people, but mm-hmm. we have to have the hard shift so we don't hit the people in the road. <laughs> That's just the bottom line, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm seeing, so I'm encouraged that a company run by this white guy is, you know, people know how I feel about whiteness, particularly white dudes in tech who says, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to do this thing. 
and I'm going to follow through on this thing, <laughs> you know? I'm not just going to give lip service. Mm-hmm. So that was, like I said, when he sent me that, gave me the mm-hmm. money, that was like the first thing. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then Cher popped up and I was like, oh, she worked. I didn't even notice it at first. And then you popped up and you, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then it just really hit me when you made that, um, um, that announcement about the hire. So I wanted to talk about you to talk about that because you got some pushback on that. Yeah. And I just want to like, be clear that I wasn't saying in that particular tweet that like we weren't going to hire um, a white person. Like obviously anyone can apply to any of our jobs. Um, But what I said was like basically a different way of saying underrepresented minorities encouraged to apply, which is something we see on a lot of different like job descriptions. Um, But yeah, a lot of people had an issue with the way that I was wording it and Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I think a lot of people, this is my personal opinion. I think people don't like seeing their privileges named like that. I think in the tweet, I specifically said, um, something about specifically non cisgender heterosexual white men. And I Mm -hmm. think seeing those, (laughs) that like, uh, description specifically might've made some cisgender heterosexual white men upset um Mm -hmm. which I mean on a personal level I you know it's it's what it is like you know having like white people think that or you know privileged people in general think that when they're when their privileges are named or anything like that, that they're automatically being excluded from everything. And it's like, no, you're a cishet white man. You're not being excluded from anything. You're not being excluded from tech. Like you're literally the majority of people who work in tech. You're literally the majority of people who work as engineers at the company I work for. So like, where's the exclusion? Like, what are you being excluded from? You're not being (laughs) excluded from anything. I was just saying like, hey, it would be great if we can get mm-hmm. more of these other people mm-hmm. in our hiring pipeline. And then, you know, once we do that, of course, mm-hmm. we're going to hire, you know, whoever is best for the job. I hope I'm not really involved in hiring, so I don't make that decision. But, you know, I just wanted more people in the, in the pipeline because, you know, diversity is something that we do care about at the company, something I personally care about. And, um, you know, let's try to diversify our pipeline a little. That's all I was saying. But everyone was like, oh, you're being discriminatory. I hope your legal department, you know, sends you an email on Monday and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, come on, just like, <laughs> like what, this shouldn't be a big deal. And it's so funny that it, be, and, and I um, just created a, a video this morning. Now this would air months from that, but I just created a video this morning because when I say that all whiteness is racist by design and can't be trusted by default without consistent demonstrated behavior, that is the, and it's the mm-hmm. first point of a thread that is the rules of how we engage. And one of the rules right. is if you have a privilege, please put your pronouns, you know, all these things, but they get stuck right there is because whiteness is never evaluated. It's never looked at. It is so the default that when you say no cisgender, mm-hmm. I mean, when you put all that out and, and it becomes them, um, it's anything that is about equity is about oppression for them. Um, because they, it, again, right. it's the, the it's, it's this idea of we're all having the same lived experience. So if they're not making it, it's something about them as an individual. Um, whiteness is always about, um, or, or okay. So whiteness is uh, so when you say that, 
it's the yeah. individual white dude who's like, oh, wow, why can't I do this? But mm-hmm. for us as black and brown people, we're like, oh, wow. Okay, they're saying we can't as a group <laughs> because we're so used to being grouped so that we even think that way. Right. This is always about the individual effort. You know, Elon Musk, he did, did he did all of this on his own. No, if you look back at his history, he did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he, if I had apartheid at my back, if I had these rich professor parents, and then I heard that his family stole an a, a emerald mine from some folks, all this stuff at my back, I would be, um, mm-hmm. I, I would expect mm-hmm. me to be, to have all the right. time, like, just <laughs> yeah. literally to have a computer as a child that I could take apart. Hell, I had a computer but I couldn't take that bitch apart. Take it apart if you want to. Get your ass beat. (laughs) Exactly. It was not about experimenting. And so it's like, no, if if he didn't have that, he'll be a mediocre white dude just like the rest of them. And it's like, and this is the this is what they I, I'm always getting pushback on. I'm always getting I'm gonna mm. continue to say it, I'm gonna continue to say it loudly because we until we collectively name them, put a name to the thing, we're not gonna change anything. Mm. We have to stop skirting around this stuff. Um, no one has a problem mm. with black. No one has a problem with the fact that they don't trust black people. No one has a problem with the fact that when we come Mm -hmm. around, they grab their purses, they cross the street. No one has a problem with the fact that Becky and and Chad and Zach can call the police on us for just living our everyday lives. But when I say that I don't trust whiteness by default, oh my God, I have just crucified Christ. It's like, (laughs) it's like, wait a minute. And so that's why I say whiteness against blackness Mm -hmm. because blackness Mm -hmm. is a construct of a group. And and I'm not going to treat you. Why am I going to treat you as an individual when you treat me as a group? I'm going to treat whiteness as this. That's the only way we can get equity. That's the only way we can have an equitable conversation. Yeah, that's such. That's a really good point. White people are always seen as individuals, and people don't see whiteness as a group or whiteness as like, um, you know, a pow- an oppressive power structure. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, well, whiteness gets to always uh, change, craft the narrative right. of being a hero or, or a victim. Right. It is never the villain. It is, I don't care. They could be fundamentally actively hacking someone up and there's They're a narrative innocent. that that person did yeah. something to deserve I'm, I'm thinking it. about yes. the, um, yes. the Amber Geiger uh, verdict and how they were yes. like hugging her yes. in the courtroom. And it's just yes. like, mm-hmm. like those, those pictures of, of, her brother and the judge, I kind of understand from the brother's perspective, like his brother died and like, you know, if he needed to like do that, like help him move on, whatever. But then the judge hugged her and it was like, okay, you're, you're a judge. Like you're supposed to be like, exactly. And you know, you're a black judge and you're Mm -hmm. hugging this Mm -hmm. woman. And it's like, and that comes that also I I ex- explain that through internalized mm-hmm. white supremacy and anti blackness. We had yep. we have to deal with our own shit. So this is what I tell: no one right. escapes white supremacy mm-hmm. unharmed, in, including white people. We have to deal with our own internalized yep. white supremacy and anti blackness. One of the things that um, that about that hugging was about mm-hmm. the Christianity part and Christianity. The Bible is the biggest enslavers mm-hmm. of the black mind. Um, at, at period. And that book has been used historically in the United States as um, as a tool of oppression and as a way to manage um, black, the behavior of slaves and on. Um, because that was the only thing we could read right. if we could read anything. And when someone tells you, has control over what you can read, um, that, that right there tells mm-hmm. you you're not free. 
that tells you that that's it's a part of oppression. Um, and that's why I say fuck civility because civility is um, optional for white people, but it's the expected behavior for for marginalized groups because it, it, it enables us to manage our own behavior so that they don't have to deal with it. Right. Exactly. So until we can name a name a thing and make it clear and you be uncomfortable, then we don't get anywhere. And so I'm gonna keep naming the things. Yeah, for sure. So um so how did you um let, tell me some of, I want to know about your, about your a little bit about your background. Because you are, a, I would say, a, a, black, a young black woman who's a force to be reckoned with in tech. And I commend you for that. So what, to give me a little bit about your background. Um, so my background. So I'm, uh, I'm a Floridian, born and raised in Central Florida. Um, my parents are from Trinidad. Uh, so I grew up here and, um, let's see, in terms of like my professional background, uh, I went to college for, uh, sociology, French and Spanish, uh, thought I was going to work in nonprofits and save the world, worked in nonprofits for a couple of years, uh, decided that I did not want to save the world and that the world could not be saved. <laughs> uh, and then after that, I... Yeah, that's that's a whole. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's a whole other sure, podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Um, let's see. After that, nonprofits. I, uh, nonprofits are a whole other podcast. Abroad for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in Spain for one year and Saudi Arabia the next year. Um, oh, and then okay. Okay. after I got back from Saudi Arabia, that's when I decided to learn to code. Um, just cause mm-hmm. I, I just really wanted to do like something different wanted to make more money, wanted to do something that was kind of creative. Um, and so, yeah, I spent uh, about a year and a half, like learning to code, going to my boot camp, and writing a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got my first job in tech, uh, last January, um, at a BC fund. Um, and then this year I started working at uh, the company I'm working at now. So that's. See and see, I, and I wanted you to tell that story because that is a typical story of a person from a marginalized group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is our story. Um, it, it's people think there's a trajectory. The, the, people making this shit up in tech every single day. I just need people to stop creating barriers. Mm-hmm. Let people get in wherever they fit in, as we say, get in where you fit in, right? And, and stop creating barriers to their success. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because that lived experience of you being an ESL teacher, of you being a, a, a child of immigrant parents, um, of you um, uh, teaching abroad. Oh my God, that nonprofit! <laughs> if people want to know, if people want to, and I and I shock people all the time. All you people wearing Tom shoes. If you mm. knew the story, <laughs> if you knew. The thing about Tom's shoes, right? For every pair of shoes you buy, yes, they give them away for free. But what have they have done is destroy the shoe industry in those exactly. native countries. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they have destroyed because why would you buy shoes from your, your local tribesmen or Kenyan or right. uh, Venezuelan or, or uh, Guatemalan when you can get a pair for free? Exactly. So it's oh my god, <laughs> and people want to watch. Oh, NGOs, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
there's yes. a lot with like yes. especially over especially like NGOs that help out like overseas and other countries yes. like mm-hmm. yep it's ridiculous like it's all missionary work I yeah. just it's, it's all let's go save the poor yeah you know? and like mm-hmm. and you're destroying economies and then you're like um there's a uh, I can't think of the name of the documentary right now oh um, poverty Inc everybody needs to watch poverty Inc um I don't it was on Netflix but I think right now it's on Prime can't remember where, but watch Poverty Inc. Because they break all this down. There was a, um, there was, they talk about how Kenya had the most diverse cotton crop in the world. But when we started exporting, importing, exporting cotton from the U.S., because we needed, you mm-hmm. know, the U.S. needed some new uh, people to send their cotton to, mm-hmm. um, we decimated the cotton industry in Kenya. So now Kenya, which had the most diverse cotton in the world, now has to get this stuff imported. There is wow. nobody. Can yes. Yes. Wow. That's, <laughs> wow. That's shameful. That's yeah. just shameful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And we do it in the name of, I'm, you know, I'm their ally. I'm doing it in the name of good and da 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 but, but you don't look at, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, it relates to what we were talking about earlier. Like, people who are like supposedly like well-intentioned doing something to help, you know, underprivileged people. And instead it ends up like fucking everything up. And that's why impact is more important to an intention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for being on the show. What would you like to say in your closing moments? Um, Cause we've talked about a lot of shit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have talked about a lot of shit. Um, I guess I want to encourage everyone to, you know, don't be afraid of speaking up when you see something wrong. I was just talking about this on Twitter the other day. Like, there's a lot wrong with our industry. And I understand why people are scared of, like, losing their jobs or losing their connections if they, like, don't name names. But, like, you know, if you have the privilege of, like, just saying something, like, just just say something. You don't have to say something on Twitter, but, like, you know, if everyone continues to be silent, then nothing in this industry is ever going to change because no one's going to talk about it. Um, And the second thing is, if you are a junior in tech or if you're trying to get into the tech industry, whether you're a designer, developer, data scientist, whatever, uh, sign up for my newsletter. (laughs) Yes, please. Juniorsintech.com. Right now it goes out every other week. Um, Just has like a bunch of helpful links on like things like how to get a job, and I always include like a really short list of um, junior developer and design jobs. So uh, sign up for that if you want. And I'm on Twitter at Kazaya L. That's K-E-Z-I-Y-A-H-L. And yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at HashtagCauseTheScene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Cause the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.